Hey, I got a great episode for you today. It's going to be talking about rejoicing not against me, my enemy. And I'm going to go into a lot of topics that might be abrasive today, but it's all done in the love of Jesus Christ. More of this right after a word from our sponsors. Hey everybody out there in podcast land, this is David coming at you with another episode for today. I've been thinking about a verse over the last few weeks. It's actually been a verse that's been stuck in my heart for probably since I've been saved. It's Micah 7.8. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Micah 7.8. So it starts off, rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. How many of you out there have ever had hard times in your life, made a mistake, fallen, got hurt, whatever the case may be, and then you look around and you have enemies, because we all have enemies, and what are your enemies doing? They are rejoicing over the fact that you're hurting, that you're down, you can't get up, Your enemy always takes joy in your suffering. That's one way you can mark an enemy is by what they do in your low points and how they treat you in your plight. Now, the next part of this verse is when I really focus on is when I fall. It says when I fall, not if I fall or maybe I might fall, but when I fall. One thing you can count on in this life is you're going to fall. There's always going to be a pothole that you didn't see. There's always going to be a stumbling block. There's always going to be a problem. When I fall, same with you. When you fall, when you make a mistake. Now, you don't want to be one of those high-minded people that are always name it and claim it, always speaking it into existence. You know, I want to take a pause here and I want you to think about something. If you're walking along... And you're one of those people that say, speaking into existence, watch what you say, watch what you say, because you focus on one or two verses. I want you to think about something. I want you to take a walk today. I want you to go for a walk. And as you look at the sun, I want you to speak against the sun. I want you to say to the sun, stop shining and go away. I want you to do that as many times as you can. I want you to cover your mouth and do it inside your head where nobody can hear you and see if if it changes. And then I want you to speak it as loud as you can to see if that sun disappears. I will mark it down right now and I will speak by my faith and say that that sun is not going to do anything. Do you want to know why I know it won't do anything? Because God's law has set it in order. You cannot speak out against God's law, no matter how hard you try. You cannot say something that will change the order of God's law. When God said, I will put two greater lights in the sky, one to rule over the day and one to rule over the night, There's not one thing any human being on this earth, I don't care if you're the greatest Christian on the earth, and I don't care if you're the lowest Antichrist on the earth, you cannot speak out against what God has created. Now that goes across the the platform now. Now in our life, there's things I've heard people say, oh, watch it, you're speaking your healing out of existence. You're speaking your sickness into existence. Now there's some things in our life that have been put in order also by Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve taken of the fruit and ate of it, God said, I will institute death into the mankind, into man and women. Now, you cannot unspeak that death. I don't care how hard you try. And as 
Many times as I have been healed and many of you have been healed, there's going to be times God does not heal you. The reason why is because if we speak our healing into existence and we never get sick and we always overcome every heal, every disease, everything that ever comes in our life, we always overcome it by speaking into existence. We would never die. We would overturn God's judgment on Adam and Eve on the basis of our speaking. And now we make the blood and death of Jesus Christ of no avail. In essence, you become the Antichrist because you stop. You do what Peter tried to do. You say, Jesus, no, I will not let the guards take you. I will not let you die on the cross. And what did Jesus turn to say to Peter? Satan, get thee behind me. Why? Because Peter was trying to stop Jesus from suffering, from facing the cross, from dying, and producing something even greater than if Peter were to stop him from going to the cross. The same thing with the way people think. Sometimes people become fanatics. They overdo some things in God's word at the plight of everything else. They don't think it through. And then God puts people like me and others that actually read the scriptures and discern it and pray about it and then try to put things in order. But we're always under attack by those people that are fanatics. They don't listen. They don't learn. They don't want to learn anything else. If you try to speak to them, their mind is made up. Them are strong delusions, folks. If you cannot listen to another person, especially somebody that has spent time in the Bible, has spent as much time in the Bible as somebody as me, for example, I spend a lot of time studying, reading concordances, Bible dictionaries, reading the Word of God, praying, and praying for discernment. And I don't just lock myself into a home. I actually go out and I produce things with what I have learned. I go and manifest it in the way I, I do my works. I've done it. I put my money where my mouth is, so to speak. I bought a passport. I bought a ticket. I aborted a plane. I spent the hours flying across the world in uncomfortable situations. I put myself in all kinds of harm's way just so I can baptize people in the name of Jesus because I believe in the name of Jesus, not because the denomination tells me. I speak in tongues not because a denomination told me or there's a group of people and I don't do it to show off. I don't do it to brag. I don't do it to tell people or to put people down. I do it mostly in secret, the speaking in tongues and the praying because the Bible has emphatic about praying in your prayer closet. It's emphatic about doing stuff in secret and God will reward you openly and being very careful of how you do things in front of people because if you offend one of these little ones, the Lord says, it's better that you wrap a millstone around your neck and jump in the middle of the sea. Do you ever realize, do you ever take note of how many people you might be offending around you on a daily basis just for that one person that you might find to get into your little group? Now, you have to be aware, if you're going to be a wise master builder, if you're going to be a person who wins souls, the Bible says, he that winneth a soul is wise. Now, wisdom comes in a few forms here, folks. You can learn wisdom by studying and working hard, or you can learn it by actually going out and doing it and learning by hard knocks. You're going to make a lot of mistakes, and you're going to have a lot of failures. You're going to make a lot of people hurt and upset, and you're going to destroy a lot of things. So there's a wise way of going about some things. Now, you want to look around and see what you're doing. If you are actually running more people away you're not fulfilling scripture by saying that they hated me and they're going to hate you because if there's some things you're doing that you can stop and change 
to help another person. And maybe you might have to suffer a little bit. Now you're carrying a cross. Now you're doing something that Jesus did and showed us how to do. Now, rejoice not over me for my enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness. Now, usually when you fall... As myself, I have been in many dark places and I have fallen. I have made mistakes on my own. I've I've willfully made mistakes by sins and I've accidentally fall and I've had accidentally things come over my life that I did not have no control over. And it seems like those are the very dark times. Those are the times that seem so dark that you can't see nothing. And these kind of times are actually amazing because it actually starts to separate who God is. Because so many of us have lights that we can turn to and call it God or call it good. And God is nowhere in the, in the mix of it. Just because you can read a few scriptures and quote it and go out and do things, it makes you no better than a denomination that has 99% of it wrong and they use one scripture. And that one good thing that they use is doing a great work out there. But the 99 that they're misusing and misquoting is destroying so much around them. So you got to be very careful. Now, I am not one that has ever been on the denomination bandwagon. Now, I know where God has put me over the years, but I don't put my coat on a hanger that says, this is the denomination I am. As a matter of fact, I've cast that off recently because I've seen the harm that denomination does to people. It actually puts you in a box and labels you and separates you from so many people just because of bad people in those denominations. Now, I've seen people lie in the denominations. I've seen people make misquotes of their own religion, make mistakes, actually conduct themselves in a, in a manner that has ruined the, the name of that denomination, so detriment to that denomination that it's so hard to get it fixed. And the good people that are out there actually working to trying to keep a good name, to do good things, are overshadowed by the many people that don't want to get involved fully, they want to do it on their own, they want to control things on their own, and they have their own plan, they have their family ties that let family do things, and then they just have connections with either people with money and they don't want to lose money through tithing and giving. They, they have so many vices that it's so hard to actually spread the kingdom of God. And the little bit that they're spreading is actually destroying more of the kingdom of God. Let me give you an example, folks. You know, I spew out a lot of stuff on the air here, and it seems like some things are kind of offensive to people. But I want you to think about something. We get up on a Sunday, we go to church, we preach the gospel, we clap our hands, we jump up and down. We And if you don't on the pew, if you don't get up when they tell you to get up, you're going to be shunned in a way. They're going to make you feel bad. And then you're going to have to do things the way they wanted to do. We clap after the music's done because we want to make sure the, the musicians feel good and the singers, that all the work they did. But I didn't come there to praise a singer. I came there to praise God. And then after you do all that, you hear a preacher get up and talk about sin. Sinning is bad. Spending time in this world is bad. Watching TV is bad. Putting on this type of clothing is bad. Doing this and doing that, blah, 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 over and over and over again, which I believe in these things. I believe in standards. Don't get me wrong, but I want you to see something. After spending that much time preaching against sin, preaching for spreading the kingdom of God, the same preacher will board a plane, fly to Florida, go to Walt Disney, and spend a whole day with their family in Walt Disney, 
putting their money into ungodly things that are now spreading evil across the airwaves that undo everything you did on a Sunday service. I see preachers doing it all the time. They brag about going to Disneyland. Disneyland is promoting some of the worst homosexual, the worst evil. They promote witches, warlocks, death. The cartoons are mass produced over the airs. They're pushing it on our kids inside school and Sunday school, inside the churches. And now you wonder why we have a conflicting message with our people. And that's just one avenue, folks. I've tried to tell people before certain stores that promote abortion and homosexuality, and I got the lashback from Christians in church, Pentecostal people, the holy rollers, that said it doesn't matter because and most of these were preachers that would say, it doesn't matter. Where are you going to go that you're going to be able to buy then? You have to buy food. You have to do this. I say this, when a business comes out and tells me what they stand for that is contrary to the word of God that's when I say I take my money and I go elsewhere and you should too if you are conducting business with people you know that are throwing it in your face them are called preachers folks they're preaching a message that's getting greater response than what we are doing on a Sunday morning but we have been so conditioned to just go to Sunday school Sunday church Wednesday night service And the rest of the week we give to the devil and we let the devil spew his message over the airways and over our lives and we wonder why we are going backwards and we're doing good things. We're good folks. We're good people in the church. We're doing the much as we can to spread God's word. But it seems that five days of the seven are going to the world and two days are going to God. And I have to question some other things. Prayer time. I've watched prayer over the years slowly decline in the church. To the point where the pastor gets up and mandates prayer. And the, the funny thing about mandating prayer by a preacher, I've watched how they did it. They do it in a way that is convenient for the saints, but inconvenient for those that actually pray. I've watched praying people be punished because of prayer. And I've watched unpraying people have their space given to them and accommodations because we don't want to offend them but at the expense of offending everyone that actually bends the knee and prays to God. I'll give you an example. If you are praying in your church, in the beginning of church service, an hour before church, and as new visitors are walking in your church and sitting down and all you're doing is praying and you're not going up to them, you're not greeting, you're not spending time, you're not talking to them, I have to question the motives of the church. Because if you cannot pray a sacrifice on an off night where you can come And I've seen this over the years, yes. I've seen your numbers go way down in prayer. I've seen people on Friday night prayer. I've done it. I've done prayers for years in church. I'm the one that ran the prayers many years in church because it got to the point where I would be the only one showing up. Many nights, I was the only one that would show up to prayer. And I wouldn't condemn anybody that didn't show up because God always showed me He wants the ones that show up and give a true sacrifice. He wants the true hearts. Those that give from the real parts of their heart. Not because they were made to do it. Not because somebody told them. Not because somebody mandated it. And you can check off a box all day long. And this is something else I found. You can put a paper on a wall and have 100 people sign up in your church so they can brag about that they prayed at a certain time. And these people stay in the same slot. They don't change it. And I have to question even any part of their prayer. Because I've watched people fall asleep while they're praying. I've watched people in church. 
that shouldn't even be on the platform. Leave the platform because they're doing a job, sit down on the pew, and fall asleep at the preached word. I've seen people get up before the church and no, there's no praise, no worship, there's no vibe inside their heart, there's no Holy Ghost moving inside their heart. And then I see a conductor get up and force them to praise God, clap their hands, and us on the platform, on the pews, are not fooled. We can look and see all this, we see what's going on, and we play along on the game, but that's not the way you praise God, that's not the way you conduct business, because we are doing business with Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the God of gods, the King of kings, and shouldn't we give our best? Now, what do you think about that? All from one verse, Micah 7, 8. I want you to think about this today. And I want, to, I want you to actually evaluate what you're doing. Because if you're forcing people to accept your belief in Jesus the way you believe Jesus, I have to question it because Jesus Christ himself doesn't even do that. He doesn't overstep our free will. He wants people from the freeness of their heart, their own choice, to make the commitment to him and to come unto him and allow him to come into their life. Not by mandates, not by rules, not by regulations, because the Jews tried to do all that. The Pharisees, the scribes, they tried to do all that. And Jesus was contrary to that. There was even parts of the Bible and the gospel that Jesus would have to send the disciples, the twelve, away to go and do ministry in cities because they were so high-minded and they were so focused on who can get in and who can't. If you, aren't done, if you don't do it this way, you can't get in. Almost to the point where I see Pentecostals of this day and age that we are in mandate things to even get to Jesus, which I have a big problem with that because you can start talking to Jesus at any point. And as you start to sacrifice your life and give things up, he will slowly come in and reveal more of himself to you through love. And every one of you under the sound of my voice, God didn't come and mandate anything. He gave you a lot of space to come to him. He allowed you to make a lot of mistakes to come to him. So how come you can't give people that same luxury that God afforded to you? Now, I want you to think about these things today. I want you to love Jesus. I want you to recommit your walk with God. Worry more about yourself. And as you do that, people will see your light shine and they will want to know who your God is. Not by the way you can quote scriptures, not by the way you can condemn people. And one last thing I want you to think about. If you are getting mad because people are saying things that are contrary to what you believe or contrary to the scriptures, if you get mad and offended at that real easy, you have to really sacrifice that to God. You're going to have to go on a fast. You're going to have to pray because our message is not one that we get offended with. If we say something and somebody doesn't receive it, that's on them. We just walk away, go to the next person. But if you have to continually argue and fight and get your way, then you have an issue because God's going to come to you and knock on your shoulder and say, hey, I got to talk to you because that's not the way he did it. He didn't go around doing that. He went to wherever he was willing to be received. There was places in his own hometown that couldn't even receive him, but that didn't bother Jesus. He went right on to the next person. He kept moving. This gospel doesn't stop. It won't stop because you either preach it or you don't preach it. It won't stop moving because I don't preach it or I don't, I preach it. It's going to keep on moving. It's going to keep doing what 
God intended it to do. And with that, God bless. Hey, thanks for listening to this podcast today. I appreciate all my sponsors out there, those who support me financially monthly. I give you a shout out today, and I also pray for you, and I thank you for everything you do for this podcast. If you can share this with somebody and get the word out, like and subscribe where you can, I would appreciate that greatly. And remember, Jesus loves you, and God bless.